Welcome to the Alan and Overy podcast. My name is Una Harrison and I'm a senior professional support lawyer in the Allen and Overy Brexit team. Like a number of areas, the UK's financial services regulatory regime has been driven by reforms implemented at the European level, especially since the financial crisis. Today, we will therefore look at how the UK government is ensuring that the regime will function effectively from exit day. Joining me today to discuss this topic are Kate, are Kate Sumter, a partner in our financial services regulatory group, and Andre Bikowski, a senior associate in the same group. Kate, in the previous two podcasts, we have been exploring generally how EU law will be onshored on exit day once the ECA has been repealed. But I'd like to spend some time now exploring how the UK government intends to onshore EU financial services legislation. Of course, Una. Similar to other ministries, HM Treasury is using powers in the EU Withdrawal Act to ensure that the UK continues to have a functioning financial services regulatory regime in the event of a hard Brexit. Although European financial services legislation will be onshored through the mechanisms laid down in the EU Withdrawal Act, Treasury has to use the powers under the Act to draft such a tree instruments that will correct the gaps or points of legal uncertainty described as deficiencies in onshored versions of EMIR, MIFID II, etc, etc. Now, as much as there are provisions in European law that we all love to hate, the intention is not to use these instruments to make policy changes, other than to reflect the UK's new position outside of the European Union and to smooth the transition to this situation. Given the volume of EU legislation, particularly since the financial crisis, should the industry expect a number of these statutory instruments? Yes, quite a big number, in fact. We're expecting approximately 70 statutory instruments that will be used to correct deficiencies in onshored European retained law. Treasury has been working with the City UK, UK Finance, law firms and other industry participants to ensure that the instruments achieve what is required. The statutory instruments started being laid earlier this year, and we understand that the intention is for all 70 to have been laid this side of Christmas. That's quite a Christmas present, Kate. We at ANO have intimately been involved in the industry discussions on the various SIs to date, and also are assisting UK Finance with responding to the FCA consultation paper on implementing the various temporary permission regimes for incoming EU firms into the FCA rules. And it's also worth remembering that all the SIs we're seeing now are being published to ensure that we are ready for a hard, no-deal Brexit. As a result, they will need to be withdrawn if the Article 50 withdrawal agreement is actually ratified. Thank you, Andre. Your reference to the working groups Am I to take that to mean that there's a formal consultation process um, that the industry have been going through and looking at these statutory instruments? For the most part, that's correct. Many of the SIs have been the subject of confidential review via trade associations and the City UK, who have worked with a number of law firms, including ourselves, to lead on the technical analysis. However, some of the other statutory instruments have been published with no formal consultation process. Drawing on the work that Andres referred to, listeners can expect to find bulletins which look at the instru- what the instruments are trying to achieve, what the key changes are when the legislation is onshored, and what clients should focus on on Allen and Overy's Brexit Law website. 
Andre, given the technical nature of a financial services regime, am I right in thinking that the regulators, for example, the FCA, the PRA, are being given powers under the EU Withdrawal Act? Correct. The UK government recognises the role UK regulators played in drafting the technical elements of the regimes. As a result, the Treasury has laid a statutory instrument before Parliament, which delegates powers to the UK's financial services regulators to address deficiencies in not only the regulators' rule books, but also in the binding technical standards, that is, the level two regulatory and implementing technical standards, that will become part of UK law. Those subdelegated powers are subject to broadly the same constraints as Treasury's use of powers under the EU Withdrawal Act, but there are also additional mechanisms to ensure robust Treasury oversight. The Financial Services and Markets Act, or FISMA, actually already grants this power in relation to rule books, but FISMA did not envisage the volume of amendments that will be required to take place for Brexit. Thanks, Andre. Do we have a sense of how we expect the regulators to use these powers? In mid-October, we saw the FCA publish the first two consultations on the changes that they think are required to their handbook and the technical standards for which they are responsible. Similarly, the PRA published several such consultations just last week. We are expecting quite a few more over the coming weeks in the lead up to Christmas. The second type is the standards instrument. These will be used to make binding technical standards in the future. Responsibility for making and amending these technical standards will effectively be transferred to the appropriate UK regulator by onshoring, and amending each mandate for binding technical standards that currently exists in European law. When making a standards instrument in order to amend a binding technical standard, the appropriate regulator will again have to ensure that it is approved by Treasury. Andre, given the technical nature of a financial services regime, I understand that the regulators, i.e. the FCA, the PRA, are being given powers under the EU Withdrawal Act. Could you possibly explain a little bit more about that for the listeners? Of course. Well, the UK government recognises the role UK regulators played in drafting the technical elements of the regimes. As a result, Parliament has now passed a statutory instrument which delegates powers to the UK's financial services regulators to address deficiencies in not only the regulators' rule books, but also in the binding technical standards, i.e. the level two regulatory and implementing technical standards, that will become part of UK law. Those subdelegated powers are subject to broadly the same constraints as Treasury's use of powers under the EU Withdrawal Act, but there are also additional mechanisms to ensure robust Treasury oversight. The Financial Services and Markets Act, or FISMA, actually already grants this power in relation to the rule books, but Treasury has imposed their own oversight over the process, given the volume of amendments that will be required to take place for Brexit. How do we therefore expect the regulators to use these powers? Well, Una, the statutory instrument makes clear that the UK regulators can exercise their functions by making either of two types of instrument. The first type is the EU exit instrument. These will be used to correct deficiencies in binding technical standards and FISMA rules. EU exit instruments can be made without being laid before Parliament, but Treasury has to approve them, 
and that approval will only be forthcoming if Treasury considers that the instrument makes appropriate provision to prevent, remedy or mitigate failures or deficiencies in retained EU law. In mid-October, we saw the FCA publish the first two consultations on the changes that they think are required to their handbook and the technical standards for which they are responsible. The PRA published several such consultations just last week, and we're expecting quite a few more over the coming weeks. The second type of instrument is the standards instrument. These will be used to make binding technical standards in the future. Responsibility for making and amending these technical standards will effectively be transferred to the appropriate UK regulator by onshoring and amending each mandate for binding technical standards that currently exists in European law. When making a standards instrument in order to amend a binding technical standard, the appropriate regulator will have to ensure that it is approved by Treasury. Kate, I can't help thinking that with only five months to go and the regulators only commencing their consultations now, will firms be able to comply with the onshored regimes? I think that's the million dollar question, Una. Treasury are acutely aware of the timing constraints and that firms will need time to adjust to the new reality. At the start of September, Treasury published a paper setting out their proposed approach for a temporary transitional power to phase in requirements for UK regulated firms that will change under the legislation being onshored as part of the no-deal Brexit preparations. Regulators will be provided with the power to make transitional provisions, which would have effect for up to two years from exit. It is intended that the power could be used to make transitional provisions to waive or modify firms' regulatory obligations. For example, to delay the application of the onshoring changes or in relation to regulatory requirements that would apply for the first time on exit day due to a firm entering one of the new temporary permissions regimes. The aim here being to ensure that firms transition into the UK's post-exit regime in an orderly way. That sounds incredibly helpful. Do we have a sense of what the transitional relief might look like? Treasury are expecting that the transitional relief could be granted to particular firms, classes of firms, or indeed to all firms to which a particular onshoring change applies. We understand that such relief could cover PRA and FCA rules made under FISMA, onshored binding technical standards, onshored European financial services regulations or delegated regulations, or indeed relevant UK primary or secondary legislation. It's probably worth pointing out that the power would not be available to alter certain requirements, such as any provision that sets the regulatory perimeter for UK financial services activity, the FISMA threshold conditions, or any provision or requirement which is not within the regulatory remit of the UK financial services regulators. Absolutely correct, Andre. And also worth noting that firms won't need to apply for the transitional relief. The regulators will simply issue directions that set out the terms of that proposed transitional relief, which I think is also helpful. Thank you, Kate and Andre. That was incredibly interesting. For those of you who would like to read more about the approach to financial services, please refer to our FAQs that accompany this podcast series. They can be found on our Brexit Law website, which also has the bulletins on the instruments that Kate referred to earlier. Our final podcast in this series will look at the changes that will be required to be made to the EU Withdrawal Act to the extent the politicians are successful in ensuring that the Article 50 Withdrawal Agreement and associated transitionals 
are not only agreed, but then brought back to the respective parliaments to be ratified.